Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. I tell them I'm not like the rest of Hi, guys. Welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. And you're probably confused because this is a little bit of a bonus episode. A solo, if you will. I really want to start incorporating more solo episodes. I eventually would love to get to six episodes a week. Not a week, sorry, a month. That is a goal. So if you guys like the little bonus, let us know. Comment on everything, share the episode, listen 15 times, and I would really greatly appreciate it. But today's episode, we're actually going to be doing something that my producer Ashley suggested. Well, I don't know if she necessarily suggested this fully, but she sent me this article it's on the thought catalog. I'll have it linked below. 56 deep questions to ask yourself in your 20s to help find out who you really are. So I figured I could answer these for a little solo episode. You guys can answer. We can do it together. But I thought it would be like a fun little exercise. Obviously on the show, we talk all the time about your 20s and how life is confusing and your 20s can kind of suck sometimes, but they're also good and fun, you know? And then we're also going to be doing a little bit of book club. We are going to, well, I'm going to be recapping Issue Story by Jane L. Rosen, which is a book that is collaboration between Nine West and the author, which is really cool. So I will be doing a little bit of a book recap talking about this. It's releasing in June this month. So stay tuned for that, guys. Little preface before we start this. I this morning was on my way to the studio feeling so anxious A lot of really cool like career things are coming up right now for me. Like obviously the live show, the pop-ups, the like I have my own clothing brand, the breadwinning housewife jobs. Like there's a lot of things that I've been looking forward to for so long. And for whatever reason this week, I'm just, I don't know if I'm overwhelmed or I'm just like naturally anxious or it's a hormonal thing or like whatever it is. I'm spiraling today. Like I don't even know if it's necessarily imposter syndrome as much as it's like, afraid that like nothing's going to work out or do well and fear of failure which is like my number one fear even though when I really think about it and rationalize it failure is not a bad thing it's actually very helpful and it can be like a really good thing for growth I don't know what's whatever whatever it is I'm spiraling today I always like being open and just saying that because I feel like half of us are probably feeling this way at this time like I feel like this isn't something that's exclusive obviously to your 20s I'll probably always feel this to some extent, but it's crazy how you can look at someone else and think like, 
oh my God, I love what they're doing. And then think that like someone else has it all together. Not that anyone thinks that about me if you listen to this podcast. But what I'm saying is I'm spiraling today. I'm overwhelmed. I am greatly fearing failure. So anyways, here we are. I'm going to answer these questions. These are good for anyone to be answering in your 20s. Again, I will link it in the show notes below. Question number one, do I believe that everything is meant to be or do I think that things just tend to happen for no reason at all? I think everything is meant to be to a certain extent, not in like a lazy way in life. I think that you have to work to get to certain things. But I do think like, yeah, I don't know, because like then I think about tragedy. I do think for the most part, things happen for a reason. So I don't know if I think everything is meant to be be but then also like a lot of things later on I'm gonna go with yes I think that things are meant to be just for the sake of my mental health and having a more like positive outlook on the world like more optimistic outlook but I I think that like my thing with that is like tragedies you know number two do I forgive and forget or do I forgive but always remember I forgive and I forget when I forget too much. I don't forgive and always remember. I do like that quality of myself because I don't like holding on to bitterness. But I think where it's caused issues is that I'll forgive someone and I'll give them the exact same access they had in my life before, which like I obviously shouldn't do. I should have boundaries after that. So I definitely forgive and forget. But I think I need to, I need to remember a little bit more, you know? If I could give one piece of advice to everyone in the world, what would it be? I don't know if this is answering this question well, but I really, my least favorite quality in someone is being a small thinker. And that can go anywhere from them being insecure and acting out of insecurity and making everyone else around them like smaller or making fun of them for doing something that's different or being excited about something. So I think the one piece of advice I would give is to be a big thinker. So I think the difference between a big thinker and a small thinker is a small thinker makes everyone's world around them smaller and a big thinker is open to everything and makes everyone's world around them bigger. Do I think that people can change or that they are just who they are? Okay, I have said this for years. It's so interesting how two of the biggest cliches are people change and people never change. And I think what it comes down to is I think, yes, people can change, but people only change when they change for themselves. So you can't change someone. I don't think that you can change someone's life necessarily. I mean, you can make an impact, but I think ultimately you can change someone's life, but I don't think you can change them. So I think in order for someone to change, they do have to change because they want to change and not for any other reason. And I think just obviously, as you grow up, you are inevitably going to change. Like you're not who you were at 17. I do think there's like the core of you that always stays true. Like I think I struggle with this when I'm trying to explain this. Like I do feel like I've always been the same person, but obviously I'm a completely different person at the same time. So like, how do you, how do you explain that? You know what I mean? Number five, would I consider myself to be religious or spiritual? I think I would consider myself to be spiritual more so at different parts of my life. Even when I was more in church, I wouldn't have said religious. I would have said spiritual. And I think that that just changes throughout time. Would my 10-year-old self be proud of me? Yes. I think my 10-year-old self, that's the one thing that makes me feel better when I'm spiraling is that my 10-year-old self would be so excited if she knew that this is what my life would be. 
But I do think on the other hand, like I did have a goal growing up, like reaching a million subscribers and doing those things that I never, I never achieved. I still have like 400,000, I think, which is incredible. Like I'm obviously so grateful. My point being that there are certain goals that I didn't hit that I think maybe my 10 year old self would have viewed as failure that I no longer view as failure. But I do think my 10 year old self would be very proud of me. Number seven, what do I think is the best revenge? I think the best revenge is nothing. I think you don't want to give someone the satisfaction of knowing that like you are doing something to spite them versus just doing something for yourself. I think the best revenge is just moving on and like doing things for you versus like doing something to spite them. Number eight, what would I change about myself? I don't like how I get when I'm very anxious. I can get a little bit like more snappy with like people closest to me, typically family. So I think that that is something that I would change about myself. And also, I don't like how, like I said today, sometimes I'll spiral in thinking and like it's crazy on one end. I will have one day and this is normal. I feel like everyone feels this way. One day I will feel like I've accomplished the world. I'm feeling so good. I'm on top of the world. I'm so proud of myself. I love my career. The next day where nothing will have changed, I will feel like I've done nothing. I've achieved nothing. I'm a failure. I'm so behind. So I think I would change that. Honestly, actually, I think I would change that first because I think a lot of my anxiety stems from that. Number nine, on the flip side, what would I never change about myself? I have a really good relationship with myself. Whereas, yes, I say that is obviously I have issues, but overall, I like myself. I think I would never want to change that about myself when I was spiraling in my 23rd year, which was really made famous through this podcast, which was last year. That was the first time in life where I was like, I don't know if I like myself. And I think that's why I was like so down bad because I had never gotten to that point. And for whatever reason, I've had a pretty healthy sense of self and relationship with myself for the most part. Obviously, that's not perfect. So I don't think I would ever want to change that about myself. Okay, number 10. Can I confidently say that the path I am on in life right now is the one that I and no one else would want for myself? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm lucky in the sense of like, I have really supportive parents. Like my dad obviously like loves this path for me, but like no one told me to go down this path. I just basically did what I wanted to do. It is the year 2040. Where am I? Okay, so I would be like late 30s. Wait, I would be early 40s. Oh my God, because I'm almost 23. That's so crazy. I'm getting old. Anyways, I'm not getting old at all. But 42, I honestly have no idea. I mean, obviously married with kids. I definitely want a family. I want to be more of like a serial entrepreneur and have a bunch of different businesses. At that point, I will have wanted to write a book. But ultimately, I hope I just have like a really healthy family. Like obviously, like my career and stuff matters a lot to me. But I think I'm really excited to hopefully create a very healthy family dynamic because I didn't necessarily grow up with that. So that's something that I'm really excited about. But I think at that point, I just want to be like even more sure of myself, even more confident very happy. I want healthy children. And I just want to be happy with like my friends and family that are around me. And then obviously career wise, just like the bigger and better, I guess. Number 12. Am I a morning person or a night owl? Guys, this is actually a good good thing to do. now you should do this to record it yourself because you can listen to this later. I probably knowing myself, I'll never listen to it later because I hate listening to myself. But it's still fun. Maybe even answer them in your notes app. Okay. Number 12. Am I a morning person or a night owl? I'm definitely a morning person. 
13, I mean, I stay out on the weekends, but like if I can be in bed at 9 p.m., 8 p.m., even on a weeknight, like my plans tonight got canceled. I'm like, oh my God, I can lay in bed and read. That's like the best news ever. 13, would I consider myself to be more creative or more logical? I would say more creative. I don't think I'm like illogical, but I'm more creative and I'm also like more risk taking than I think someone who operates just from being logical. What could I do to be a healthier person? Honestly, meditate. That's something I think about all the time and I just like haven't done it, which is kind of really out of character for myself because if I say I'm going to do something, I do it, which I haven't said I was going to meditate. So I guess that's my loophole there. But I think that meditating would really help me, especially like with anxiety. If time and money were no object, what would I do with my life? I don't necessarily think it would be very different than what I'm doing now, honestly. I would probably just like own more property elsewhere. Like I would love to have a ranch. I would love to have a lake house. I would love to have a bigger house here solely for the purpose of entertaining. Like I don't necessarily want a bigger house for like the vanity of it. I more so want it so I can have dinner parties in my backyard and have a pool because it's 100 degrees out in Texas today. And I would still be busy building businesses, but I wouldn't really want, I wouldn't want to be doing necessarily more than I'm doing right now just because I don't want to do everything at once and I want to be in the right place at the right time. There is a really big business thing that I want to do probably within the next five years. And I'm not like putting that off because I'm like, oh, like it's more so like a strategic putting off, not a putting off because I'm like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not like I'm already doing the kind. You know what I mean? 16. Is it all about luck or hard work? I think it's a combination. There's a lot of people who work really hard that never like make it like if I'm thinking about like my job, like never like quote make it online. There's a lot of people who blow up overnight from like nothing but then you have to have hard work in order to like maintain that like think about like Addison Ray blew up on TikTok faster than probably anyone ever has or Charlie D'Amelio but like they're clearly hard workers because then they were able to build businesses out of it whereas a lot of other people have blown up and gotten lucky but they weren't hard maybe they didn't have like hard work to back it at that point so I think it's a mix of the two but I don't think that anything is like fully luck if that makes sense should I live with no regrets or learn from my mistakes? I think you can learn from your mistakes without living with regrets. Like I don't have a ton of regrets, but I think I've learned from my mistakes. If that makes sense. How would I describe myself in only five words? Driven, outgoing, loyal, fun, and like resilient. I'm very like, I'm very persistent. Like I don't take no for an answer and I stick with things for a long time. Like if one door, if someone says no, it doesn't mean that like my life's in shambles and like nothing's going to work out. Even though I, you know, was spiraling earlier. I don't actually act out of that, if that makes sense. 19, family first, true or false. So I actually think this mentality can be incredibly unhealthy because there are boundaries that you should have even with family. With that being said, I'm incredibly family oriented and I love my family and I do... I think like the people around me are like what matters to me most. But I just don't love this sentiment because there's a lot of people who come from like very unhealthy or like complex family backgrounds and they're not always the healthiest. So I don't think that like having this mentality is even what's best for them. Things I learned in therapy. So I don't know. I don't really love that, but I'm, I am very family oriented. Can discipline be learned? Yes. 21, am I as loyal as I think I am? Yeah. Honestly, yes. And I don't, I said this in my show with Bria, the episode with Bria recently. I, 
I don't think that loyalty is like my best quality because I think I end up holding myself back a lot more than I do like pushing myself forward just from like holding on to things from like my past and my life. And like if someone was in my life five years ago, I feel like they still need to be in it now and like not giving things room to breathe necessarily. So yeah, I do think I am very loyal. I don't think I'm perfect. I actually think that's a quality of myself. That's actually quality of myself I would like to change. How could people be a better friend to me? I have really good friends, honestly. I don't know. I think in college, I would say was a harder time friendship wise for me. Postgrad has ironically been a lot easier. I've just had healthier friendships postgrad. I don't know. I think I don't I really don't know because I'm pretty easy. Like with Dom, we I feel like we vocalize like what we need friendship wise. I think maybe just like support in general, I think is like what I love the most. How could I be a better friend to people? I think like checking in a little, like a little bit more than I do. I was in spend this morning and I was thinking like, oh, one of my friends was sick and I for- I meant to text her and I totally forgot. And I'm like, I really hate that. I totally forgot to do that. I meant to do that like two days ago. So I think like reaching out in moments like that. And also I'm not good at, because I've had a lot of like death close to me in my life. I'm not good at, ironically at like, I'm good at talking about death with other people and navigating it after the fact. I'm not good at dealing with it in the moment. And I like clam up and like, I don't know what to say, even though I know what to say more than like someone else would necessarily. So maybe like working through my own stuff to be a better friend. I don't know. But that's just like another thing. I'm not good at it. But I'm good at talking about it after and I'm good at dealing with it after. I'm just not good at it in the moment because it makes me. It's not like obviously PTSD, but it's like it it freaks me out basically. What is a book I read that completely changed my outlook on life? Oh my God. I mean, I read so many books. I I don't have one that would have just completely, I mean, I'm sure I do. I think if there's one book that I would recommend that has everything together, it would be The Power of One by Ed Milo that just released because that has just everything that I really value in one book. I also really liked The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That was really good. It's very anti-hustle culture. It's a little bit more of like a, Christian like religious background and I'm not I'm not like super in that world now but I I think that book was really helpful I also really liked the dividing decade honestly like that's a controversial one not everyone likes it I think it helped that I read it in my early 20s so I didn't feel as much pressure but I did like that how can I be generous when I'm not rich generous with your time for sure how can I improve dialogue and communication with those I deeply disagree with? So this is so fucking hard <laughs> in this life, this world that we're living in, especially when emotions are heightened, things are heightened. It's hard. I mean, I on one end, I'm like, I really want to be at tables where people disagree with me and I want to be able to have those relationships. And I think it's really healthy. I think it's very unhealthy to only surround yourself with people that think the way that you do. But when we live in a world that's become so divided, I find myself not even wanting to talk to people who don't agree with me. And I don't like that quality in myself. I don't think it's healthy. I think just hearing people out and not trying to butt in so you can at least understand the like counter argument. And I try to be good at this. I think there's times when I'm better at it. And there's certain topics that there's just like no negotiation at all on it. But yeah, I think just like listening. And I, I have found myself like when I have friends that I know think differently I do ask them why and like since they're such good friends of mine it's easier for me because I love them anyways like I love them before but I think what is so hard is like meeting people now I don't know I I, it's it's hard I go back and forth on it all the time and I really don't know where I stand on like that topic necessarily but 
yeah, I think asking them where they come, they're coming from helps. It also helps like humanize them. So you don't like want to kill them, you know? If I had to make a list of my top 10 most important values, what would they be? Big thinking, making people's world around me bigger. Like everyone that comes into my life, I want to make their worlds bigger. Friendship, loyalty, family. I'm trying to think values are kind of hard. Actually, I did make a note one time because I was going to do this for another thing. Let me come. Oh, supporting your friends. I think I'm on six. Oh, knowing people's names is a huge one for me. And I've actually gotten worse at this recently because when I go into like workout classes, that's my one hour of like me time a day. So I don't really talk to that many people. Or if I go get coffee, I'm normally on like my coffee walk and like my walks and my workouts are normally when I'm like actually quiet, which is rare. Like I talk to the baristas. If I am in a setting more than like once or twice, I think it's really important to like know everyone's names around me. So that's a really big thing. Emotional health, physical health. I don't know if what number I'm at at this point. I feel like that's good enough. So there you go. What are my deal breakers for remote romantic relationships? I, I'm so out of dating. I don't even know. Like I've never been so far out of dating. I say that every time and I'm just getting more and more out of it. I need to be with someone who is completely secure in themselves and supportive of me as like a strong female who has like gained success and has done well and like built businesses. That is difficult sometimes, I think. So yeah. Do I love myself? We're on question 30. Yeah, honestly. I think what's helped me with that is knowing that like self-love is a journey and it's not a destination. So you're not going to just wake up one day and like, I think I would like shame myself for not fully loving myself one day, which like defeats the purpose. So it's a journey. I would say overall, yes, I do. Okay, now we're at 31 was if not, how could I find a way to love myself? So I said, yes, I do. 32 is trust always earned or is it given until it's broken? You know, I think I kind of give it until it's broken and I wish that I had it become more earned. I think with me though, with friends, I, I click with people. Like I, I either click with them immediately and I just know or I don't. So I think that's why a lot of it is like given until it's broken. But I, I would say in a way, like I'm not going to open up and tell you like my deepest, darkest secrets. So I think, I think a certain level of trust is earned, but I also give a, a lesser level until it's broken. If I could apologize to one person, who would it be? I have apologized for this. I think I was in a really toxic, and I think I was largely the toxic person in this scenario, in a very toxic, unhealthy friendship in my early 20s, which I'm only 24, that like became at times, both of us wanted more at different times. And it was just, it ended up going from like a really good friendship to something really unhealthy. And I think I look back at that now and I'm like, that was so toxic. I don't, I don't even know who I was in that. Like, it's so unlike me. And so I wouldn't, I mean, I have apologized, but if I could apologize to one person, that would be it. And 34 is what would I say to that person? I like, I just, I don't even know. I think that it was the most, I, I would just apologize for like my end of the toxicity, I think. If I was able to say one thing to my ex, what would I say? I honestly wouldn't say anything to any of my exes. Like, not in the negative thing towards anyone. I just, I have nothing to say, honestly, in a healthy, like respectful way. 36, if I could have one person apologize to me, who would it be? No one comes to mind. I don't think I would, I don't. Another thing with me with closure, I don't wait for closure on the, from that person. I get closure on my, through myself. So even people who have, like when I think of like the person who has most wronged me, I'm not waiting on an apology for them. I just don't need it. I would rather us just not have any contact, honestly. And what would I want them to say? Nothing. 38, do I ghost people or give them a reason for breaking ties? 
I don't ghost in dating simply because I don't date, but I also wouldn't ghost in dating. Friendship wise, I think I've had friendships that have slowly grown apart, whereas I wish I maybe would have had a conversation with them and that's on me. But I didn't know how, if, the, if that conversation would help much. But I, that's not fully ghosting because I'm not just like ghosting them out of the blue. So I think like somewhere in between sometimes, but for the most part, I will give up reason for breaking ties. I just don't. It takes a lot for me to like let someone in, even though I'm a very trusting person, but to let someone into my life in the way that I do, I'm very all or nothing. It takes a lot. So it's rare that I end up having to break ties because it's already hard for me to like get to that level with someone. Do I believe in karma? I think like, yeah, you reap what you sow. But again, like there's murderers. So like at a certain point, like, Yes, I do think you reap what you sow. And I, I think that's similar to karma. I don't necessarily fully believe in karma. I do think that like good things can happen. But I, I think like it's hard to say because like I don't think like what did someone do to deserve like their child dying? You know what I mean? How do I show I'm angry? I get quiet. 41, in my opinion, one of my greatest strengths. I'm a really good friend. And I think I'm, I'm good with people. I think actually one would be I'm good with people. I'm very driven and I'm very persistent. Like I'm dedicated. If I'm going to do something, I see it through. And I'm not someone who like expects success overnight. In my opinion, what are my greatest weaknesses? I think sometimes when I'm spiraling and like I don't see myself or who I really am, not knowing when to let go of things. I was listening, ironically, I didn't even put this together, to, oh my God, what's the Taylor Swift song that's like time to let go? Is that, what is it? It's on Evermore. I love that song. So I know, I don't, I just remember that. I think not knowing when to let go and when I spiral in thinking, but I will say I've gotten a lot better at self-talk through therapy. So it's not as bad as it once was. If I can go anywhere in the world, where would I go? Honestly, I'm not someone who like dreams of traveling to different countries a ton. Like I would love to, but I'm not sitting here thinking. Like if I, honestly, if I'm thinking of like where I would, almost always rather be it is Texas. I don't know if I can go anywhere in the world. Maybe like I would like to go to like Barcelona or somewhere, but I'm maybe Italy. I don't know. I really don't know. You know what I would like to do? I would like to do cooking classes in Italy. I think that's my answer. Is work-life balance important to me? Number 44. Yes, but I don't believe in balance. I believe in like you have different priorities at different times. And like, for example, in college, I was in college. So schoolwork is a priority to me. And now that I have more time, like my social life is more of a priority to me. And it just depends. Like, I don't necessarily look at it as like, it has to be this perfect balance. I think it's more of like, you have different priorities at different times. 45 is family important to me. Yes, obviously. 46 is friendship important to me. Yes, incredibly important to me. 47 is romantic love important to me. Yes, it is. Even though I'm not dating, but I I just don't want to settle. And like, I don't really have time to just date. I just don't really care about dating just to date. 48, if I could have one talent, what would it be? Easily to sing. If I was musically talented, I would be a country star five years ago. Like 100% to sing. That would be it. 49, what is one part of my life that I miss and why? Honestly, I don't know if this is like a good answer, but when I think about it, there was literally October, November of 2021 was like some of the best times ever. Dom was in Dallas. We just had so many fun. Like we had literally the best times ever. And it was such a good, it was like, you know, when Red came out and everyone talks on TikTok how that was like the best weekend ever. Imagine that, but we had it for like six weeks straight and it was really good. 
Separate from that, I miss when my family, like my larger family used to go holidays together. So I guess those are my two answers. 50, what are elements from that time that I can incorporate into my present? Making more of an effort effort to see extended family. I'm actually going to do that in two weeks. So I guess I'm already doing that. And then also, I don't even know. I really don't know how to get back to October and November 2021 because that was the best time of my life. I really, I really have no idea. And I'm, I'm honestly with the same people. I'm doing similar things. So I don't know. It's really, we just had a lot to look forward to. 21, do actions really speak louder than words? Absolutely. 52, am I happy with my career? Incredibly happy, even though I spiral, but incredibly happy. If not, what would I change about my job to be happier and more satisfied? Again, I'm happy with my career. I wouldn't really change anything. The only thing is digital, while I feel incredibly financially stable, and I actually do feel like my career is stable, I don't feel like it's unstable in the sense of like we're in social media and that's unstable. I feel more of like because everything's on me, I feel a pressure and like, not even because like, oh, pressure to like perform online, like pressure to like get everything done. It's all on me. I'm the boss, that stuff. 54, what's more important to me? Self-respect or being right? I think this is weird to pair the two because I think you can respect yourself. You can be right and have self-respect, but you can, I don't know. I feel like that's like, do you care more about the person or being right? I would say I care more about the person than being right, but I would care more about self-respect than being right. Do I learn from the past or live in the past? I think I actually do have an issue with living in the past. Like I've noticed this with friendships. Like I said, I need to let go of that and like fully embrace my new life in my 20s with like new people. Not all of them, but like just certain aspects. And I would like to say I do learn from the past. So I think both, honestly. When I die, what do I want to be remembered for? That doesn't have to be like when I die. When I think about what I want people to feel when they're around me is like when I say like, I want their world to get bigger. Like I want them to feel, I want them to leave an experience with me feeling better about themselves. Not that they're like insecure and like I'm better. I don't mean that. I just want them to feel more secure and like I like lifted them up in a way and like in whatever way I could and like made their world bigger whether that's like introducing them to someone or something or we just had a conversation or whatever. Like my favorite quality in someone is someone who's so secure in themselves and comfortable with themselves that they make everyone around them more comfortable. So I think that is like the feeling that I would want to be remembered for. All right, y'all, it is time for book club. Today, we are talking about a shoe story by Jane L. Rosen. If y'all are listening to this the day that it releases on the 27th, this book releases tomorrow. You guys need to go get it. I loved it. And before even reading this one, I was already a fan of Jane L. Rosen. I loved Eliza Starts a Rumor. I feel like that was a book that we talked about a lot on Instagram. This is the same author. I also loved Nine Women, One Dress. So I was really excited to read this. I got to read it early. Um, you know, I'm just really becoming quite the bookstagrammer, if you will. It's really incredible. This book is the perfect summer read. It's about shoes. And who doesn't remember that first pair of shoes that made you feel like you were able to take on the world? I'm going to be honest. I was trying to think of mine. And the first shoe that came to mind, this is going to really be embarrassing. But if you're my age, you'll understand. Do you guys remember those like Steve Madden, not the combat boots, but the like slides with the studs? Yeah, I loved those. Also at Hardy Sneakers, also coach shoes. Okay, guys, I'm I'm really dating myself. Actually, I don't think we really wore coach shoes. We really wore at Hardy shoes. Even if you aren't a shoe lover, this book is for you as it's about falling in love with the city that you knew you were meant to live in. 
The book at its heart is about finding yourself and realizing it is okay to embark on a different path than the one you thought you were meant to be on. And that has largely been a topic on this podcast. I've talked about this so many times. It is okay to change your mind. So each chapter is dedicated to different shoe styles and brands, which I love. I'm partnering with Nine West, which is one of the shoe brands mentioned in the book. Nine West is a brand built on empowering women, and that resonates with the main character, Esme Nash. I'm going to read a little bit of the description for y'all so you guys can get a little bit caught up. First off, you know what? Is it Elin Hildebrand or Ellen Hildebrand? I actually don't know that, and I've read most of her books. Um, So we have a quote on the book from her and also Emily Henry. So that's how you know that you're set up for success, okay? One day I want to be the one of those people. And like, you you know, I'm I'm kind of far behind because I, I don't even know what it's called. But you know what I mean? Someone who gives a quote, a little review of the book on the on the book like that. Is that too much to ask for? I don't think so. Anyways. Okay, so a young woman has one month in a closet full of shoes to discover the future that she thought she'd lost in this captivating new novel from the author of Eliza Starts a Rumor and Nine Women, One Dress. So Esme Nash is eager to leave her small town and begin her carefully planned post-grad life, a move to New York City, an apartment with her loving college boyfriend and a fancy job at an art gallery. But when tragedy strikes, instead of heading to Manhattan, she returns home to care for her ailing father, leaving every bit of her dream behind. Seven trying years later, Esme is offered a dog-sitting job in Greenwich Village by a mysterious stranger, giving her access to all of her long-buried hopes and dreams, as well as to an epic collection of designer shoes. Esme jumps at a second chance to step into the future she's sure was meant to be hers. As she retraces her steps, one pair of borrowed shoes at a time, making new friends and reconnected with her old love, Esme tries on versions of herself that she didn't know existed. But the hazy August days and warm summer nights pass too quickly, and Esme must decide how much of her life she imagines still fits, and what and who is on the road ahead of her. Okay, what I actually really liked about this book is that it's not that it fooled you the entire book. I don't mean that at all, but there were definitely things about it, like her father being an alcoholic And honestly, the way I ended up feeling about Liam that changed at the end of it that I could have at the beginning, I was like, I don't feel like she's going to end up with her college love. I do feel like she's going to meet someone new and it's going to be this like coming to herself story if realizing that what she originally wanted isn't what she wanted. And also just like practically speaking, I feel like her ending up with the college guy was just like too straight and narrow for a book for it to be interesting. But I will say like, I like how the writer Jane took us on a kind of like almost not roller coaster because that's too dramatic, but really let us like Liam for a bit. And it wasn't until I would say they're going to like the weekend away for his birthday that I'm like, I don't know. I feel kind of like, because mm. before it was like, you know what? Maybe he's just in this relationship with this new girl and she's very wealthy and that's why he feels that way. Uh, but then over time I was like, okay, like she definitely needs to do with the other guy and we need to get over Liam. Anyways, I'm going to answer some of the questions. I love when they do this, by the way discussions questions at the end of a book I mean please every author actually no this is something I would like to talk about because when you lead a book club do you know how difficult it is to find questions on the internet actually very difficult and I read too much to like really be able to come up with them myself and yeah you can do generic book club questions but those are boring so I would just say that in 2022 there is absolutely no excuse to not have readers discussion questions in the back of this book and for that I am forever grateful to Jane thank you all right Esme makes a choice to care for her dad instead of following her dreams. Have you ever made a choice that changed the course of your life? And do you think it was the right choice? 
I also want to talk about that because I feel like if, okay, so if you guys haven't read yet, Esme, the day before her graduation, where she was supposed to move to New York, like literally two days later, gets a call and her mom passed away in a car accident with her dad. Her dad survives, but her dad can't talk for the rest of it. So Esme stays home for the next seven years and it takes care of her father until he ultimately passes away. That's at the very, very beginning of the book. And she basically gives up all of her hopes and dreams. She breaks up with Liam because she just feels like she she can't hold him back. And she tells him she doesn't care about him anymore. She's a little bit harsh to like get him to finally leave her alone. However, I will say it is really sad because your 20s specifically, like not that it's ever too late in life, but that's a large portion of your life where you start to really build your adult life. So that makes me very sad for her, especially coming to find out later that it was, you know, a drunk driving accident and ultimately he killed her mom. And I can't even imagine because like those are both your parents. Like I can't even imagine dealing with that. So I will say that makes me very sad for her. And I saw another question that's like, would you have done that? And I think obviously I feel like most of us would have, but I don't think that that is like when I think about it, I know that I would do that, but I don't think that's what my parents would want me to do if that makes any sense. So anyways, have you ever made a choice that changed the course of your life? And do you think it was the right choice? I mean, I feel like so many choices change the course of our life. I would say originally moving to LA, that was a huge one that definitely changed the course of my life. Moving back to Texas definitely changed the course of my life in the best way possible. And then like just career stuff, like starting a YouTube channel and podcast. I don't know the things in my life that have changed the course of my life haven't always necessarily been choices by me. They've been either deaths close to me or things that basically were not in my control. So I don't think, I think like as far as the moves and the things in my control, yeah, I would say they're the right choice, but that's ultimately just because like there's no other choice to have been made. Like that's what was made, you know? Liam was Esme's first love and Lena was size. By the way, I love that man. I love any story with an old sweet man. It's just something about it. Like you feel for them because you know they're so lonely and it like literally makes me want to cry. But their relationship was so beautiful to me. Like I loved him. He was the star of the book in my opinion. Um, okay, all four admitted that they never really stopped loving their first partner. Can you pinpoint your first real love? Do you still think about them? Yes, I can pinpoint it. And no, I don't still think about them. I don't know if this is like a movie and book thing or what, but I say that and I'm like, I know a lot of people who still talk about their first love. So I don't know. I think when you do that though, most of the time it is this like over idealized version of them that doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, I don't know. I do want to believe in like this first love, amazing thing that people go back to. I don't know. I think maybe we always kind of go back or feel like that's a comfort person because it was like your first love and it was the first time you experienced emotions to that level. So you think of them very highly. I don't know. I think there's just like some weird attachment there. I don't feel that way, but I also kind of love stories where it talks about that. Like, I don't know. Do you have a favorite between Zach and Liam? Who would you have chosen? Do you think Esne would end up with Zach, with Liam or on her own? Or did you think? I thought she was going to end up with Zach. My favorite was Zach over Liam. But I did like Liam and I did kind of feel for him in weird ways. Part of me wishes that he would have like stood his ground more and like fought for Esme. But ultimately, I like Zach the best. Some people spend a lot of time thinking about the past and what could have been while others never look back. Which camp are you and how does that affect your life? 
I wouldn't say I never look back, but I don't think about the past much. I will say from probably like 18 to 21, I was like obsessed with the past. Like, I don't know why. That was like holding on to things that from like relationships, friendships, from like my childhood, high school. I don't know. Like there was something about it that when I got to LA and I realized like, you know, I had incredible friends in Texas that I was like trying to hold on to something that like, you know, we'd all moved. Like it wasn't there anymore. I don't think I do that now, but I don't think I never look back. I do think that if there is any relationship or any relationship, plural, honestly, in my life that I'm holding on to, it's because that relationship was in my past. So I would say about like 20% looking back, 80% never looking back. And also I've realized over the past year, a lot of my friends in Texas, like I've said, we are all from the same hometown. And a lot of us were really close friends at certain points of our life and things. And they all have way better memories. I think I blacked out like 90% of high school. I don't even remember most things happening. So I don't even know if I could look back because like I have a horrible memory, it turns out, which it's weird because if someone tells me something, I have an amazing memory, like something about themselves or like a secret or they tell me they're going through something or whatever it is, like birthdays. But if it's like a scenario that happened, I don't remember. Okay, when reading a book with multiple stories, many prefer reading one over the other. Between Esme and Sai, whose story did you connect with more? How come? Okay, so I connected more with Esme, but I loved Sai the most. You know what's so crazy too about Esme? I was thinking about this as I read. She is essentially trying to homewreck. She doesn't know what she wants. She is then realizing that she's in love with another man who's essentially married. So she's trying to homewreck, even though she doesn't actively try to homewreck with Sai. I mean, she kind of does. She kisses him. Yeah, I would say she's trying to homewreck two relationships. And she doesn't know what she wants and she can't figure it out. Normally in a character, that would really annoy me. But something about Esme, it doesn't. And I maybe it's the circumstances. She basically lost seven years of her life, all of her dreams, her first love, everything. But I don't know. It's something about her specifically that I really like. I feel like this is a very wholesome book. She's not like vindictive. She's not manipulative, even though she is thinking about homewrecking. It doesn't feel that way. And I still really loved her as a character. And you feel like Liam is yours as much as Liam is Esme's, if that makes any sense. So I will point that out. Um, Typically, you would hate her, but I loved her. Zach and Liam look at the world and New York City quite differently. Whose New York City would you fit into and why would you choose it? I think people would think I would fit into Liam's, but I would definitely fit more into Zach's. I think that's a Texan in me. I don't like super like pretentious things. I don't feel like I fit in there. I don't really like that stuff. So I think I would choose socks. We all face regrets when it comes to love. Have you ever lost a love that and then encounter them again? If not, do you wish you had? What does that conversation look like to you? I feel like every love that I feel like I've lost, I've encountered again. I'm glad I'm not with them anymore. And I think even when I wish they would come back, it does come to a point where you grow out of it almost. I think there's certain people that I would be like, oh, I would love to catch up. Like genuinely, it's been that long. It's fine. But not really, honestly. What did your 21-year-old self think is important that you don't think is important now? Staying on the track that I planned for myself at 17. The shoes in the book are a metaphor for trying on new lives. What life would you try on for size if you could? I would live on a ranch in Texas. That's what I would do. What is your guiltiest shoe purchase and how did these shoes make you feel? I'm trying to think of shoes because I don't have a ton of designer shoes. I have a ton of designer bags though. Okay, I, I have 
Prada shoes. I don't have Prada heels. I over December, I bought two pairs of Prada shoes and I love them and I really didn't feel guilty about them. So I don't really feel like that's a good answer, um, but I wear them all the time and it is worth it. All right, guys, thank you to Nine West for sponsoring this portion of the podcast. Be sure to go check out their shoes. They have the cutest stuff right now, ninewest.com, as well as a shoe story by Janelle Rosen that releases tomorrow. Hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know if you guys want me to bring back the book club portion. But yeah, I love Nine West. It's a brand that empowers women to take on the world in style. They're so comfortable and an affordable price point, which I love. And so did Asme, okay? But that is it for today's solo episode. I hope you all enjoyed. Let me know if you guys like these solos. I can do more. I'm go- I'm bringing them back. I know I've been seeing the DMs. By the way, thanks for all the really nice DMs that I've been getting lately. You guys are so kind. Be sure to shop the Breadwinning Housewife Summer Collection. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can find me on Instagram at Kenzie Elizabeth and YouTube at Kenzie Elizabeth. But anyways, I hope you guys also answer these questions. It's very important to like sit down and take self-inventory. But I love you guys so much and I will talk to you next Thursday.